This is CliffCentral.com. Hey, you're listening to the Futurology Show right here on Cliff Central. We are all in studio. I've got Mr. Brett Sinclair with me. Yo, yo, yo. Digital disruptor. Disrupting everything. Yeah, even the way I'm looking at you. Okay. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> and Mr. Michael Cowan. Yeah, hi, guys. I'm really quite worried, actually. <laughs> you're looking pretty worried. So I miss you, Brett. That's I why. I miss you. It's because we had such a nice session of singularity. It was yes. such a nice, big, chunky session of amazing content. All around the Singularity University yes. Summit that happened over the last, was it four weeks? Four weeks. Five, oh, weeks. five, five weeks. weeks of we, and six weeks. Six weeks. Weeks. Shane. Shane. It's, uh, it was great. So Shane Mann from Man Made Media put together the Singularity University Summit way back in August. Sure, August now, right? And it was fantastic. Anybody that didn't attend the Singularity University Summit in Johannesburg. You are losers. But they've already... <laughs> You, if you've missed it, unfortunately, it's not coming back this year, but it is coming back in next October, year. Yes. And, uh, it's definitely worth the tickets. I know the ticket prices are quite high, but it's definitely worth every cent you pay. Yeah. Start okay. saving now. Start yep. saving now. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, if you missed any of those episodes, you can always go back onto the podcast and you can go listen to them again. Please give us a five star rating if you like them and, uh, writing in even if you don't that would be great uh, but yeah <laughs> subscribe share like the podcasts and everything we do on futurology show right here in cliff central is always ready for you to listen to in the future Absolutely. which is great so today we have a fun episode because we're coming out of singularity university but we're not we're not we, stopping talking we, about exactly. future and disruption and exponential well, tech well uh, it, that's really it it's about disruption and exponentialism because i think it's a you know what it's it's hitting us at such a rapid pace, and and you know we keep saying you know it's the speed of change that's redefining everything for everyone. So yeah, uh, I'm very excited about uh, our guest today. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. but Mike, got, just before that, I must admit the speed of change is the first time I've seen you wear glasses. <laughs> oh wow! Who the hell is that is guy that opposite you? us? Is yeah. that how fast life is moving on, pal? <laughs> I can't see you. I'm, I'm I'm also getting deaf. So yeah, <laughs> I think you look very dignified, Mr. Carl. Th- thank you, thank yes, you. No, I, I like it. <laughs> thank but, you. But back to our guest. <laughs> So yes. we're, we're going to be talking to uh, Mr. Christian Cromer, who's a futurist, a technology speaker, and author of the book Humanification. Yeah. Yes. Uh, his slogan is "Go digital, stay human," and I think we all believe in that. Oh, we rock! And the nice thing, if you go to his website, ChristianCromer dot com, uh, it starts off. I mean, it's a great picture, by the way, Christian. He's with us on online with Skype. Hi, hello. Hi. You're right there. I, I thought it's a great time to introduce you because I'm looking at you on your website, and it's a great picture. And I think uh, you're definitely going to put the three of us to shame here in the studio. So it's <laughs> nice to have a, a good-looking mug on the on the show notes. But yeah, you, thanks for having me here uh, in the future of the show. Nice e- to be here. Excellent, man. You talk about how to discover t- how to turn technology. Sorry, you talk about how to t- turn technological change into a competitive advantage. Now I can barely say that. And it's even harder for people to do that. Yes. So on that note, I think we best dive into Mr. Christian Cromer. Yes. I, I, I think, Christian, I, I think before we get into the world of human, human how, how do I say it? Wow. What's going on Huma, here? Humanification. The humanification. We before we yeah. d- dive into, into the actual story and the book that you've written, do you want to just give us an introduction to who you are and, and how you actually got to, to write this incredible book? Because uh, I thoroughly enjoyed the book. I read it twice. Uh, I'm looking at my co-host to check that they actually read it three times each. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. But it was a, a, an absolutely amazing book. But perhaps an introduction to who you are and um, because there's an amazing story to it. Okay, yeah, my name is Christian Krommer. I'm 39 years old, um, father of three, three young children. Um, just got married last Friday, so I'm still Oh, congratulations! <laughs> so I met Thank you when you, you were still single and freed in the world. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and now you're married with three now kids. Married, that was fast. So, uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> after three kids, uh, I should be yeah yes. in the Netherlands. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm I'm an um, an entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur for. 15 years, I founded my first company in 2000, and um, that company helped large organizations and enterprises to disrupt themselves. Uh, we never used that word in that time, but um, yeah, we helped them to reinvent them themselves and, and help them to come up with new technological products or services to, to serve their customers even better. And that company was focused on, on making technology more human-like. Um, nice. And I have Founded the company and um, was on the board of the company for for 15 years. And after 15 years, I, I sold the company. And when I sold the company, I, I told to the, the 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 company that purchased my company, uh, um, yeah, I want to be here for another year to to make it, uh, um, yeah, that it landed in a good place and and that the culture is protected, etc. But after that, I want to follow my purpose. And my purpose is to go on stage and uh, share my my messages with the rest of the world. Fantastic. And um, so that that's where I'm now, and um, I was been interested in technology, uh, new stuff, gadgets and stuff, and um, and now I'm speaking all, uh, about it uh, on stages all over the world. Uh, so that's me in a nutshell. Fantastic, fantastic. I, I don't believe you can fit into a nutshell, though, Mr. Christian. Grummer. I <laughs> yeah. really don't. I think even if you tried, it's 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 a nice <laughs> nice comment, but I don't think it's true. <laughs> yeah. Jumping forward to humanification, I, I just actually took a snippet out of your book, which I just actually want to read because I think it gives a great introduction to what this is all about. Um, human, humanification, sorry, my pronunciation. Humanification? Humanification shines a light into your future, the future of business and our collective potential, and it's a future that's less unpredictable than you might think. Nature gives us predictive powers when we know where to look for the clues. The challenge currently faced by families, entrepreneurs, employees, business leaders and our companies and even policymakers and governments can be explained and solved when you understand the principles of humanification. Why is this important? Make no mistake, the big changes are on the horizon. The change is speeding up and the waves of change are swelling. You, can see most, you can't see most of them, but they're there and some of them are tsunamis. These monster waves will almost certainly wipe out something that you hold dear. But they have equal power to help us replace what's lost with something much better. And this is something that we, we really need to explore today yeah. because what you're really saying, not, not, only, not only is this about making technology more human, but there's the predictive power to this. Um, and and that, that for me is an amazing context because I love the axiomatic understanding that you've applied to your book. Um, because it shows that there's a very powerful understanding and, and there's a, there's a, there's this conversion of nature, humans and technology, which is central to the theme of your book. Um, so, so I found it a very, very exciting. Um, so, sorry, sorry. Big word. Big word. Big word. Axionomic. Axiomatic. Axiomatic. Wow. <laughs> wow. Mike's impressed me today. He's need glasses on and he's got hyper clever. <laughs> yeah, I'm, so. I'm curious. Christian? How did you yeah. come up with the word humanification? Yes. Um, I think that we have been through uh, several stages in the past. And yes. um, I think that in the past 20, 30 years, it was all about technology. And we have adapted ourselves to technology. We almost become technology. And I think there's coming a new era and that as technology is so powerful using machine learning, artificial intelligence, that mm. um, technology will adapt to us. So I think now we are entering an era of being more human. And 
Um, I, I used the word in my previous company to, to humanify your products and services. And I think from that on, uh, the word humanification was born and I start to use it more often and people resonate with it and, and, uh, really understand where it's about, where it's about. So I, yes. I, I t- it was a nice title for my book. So, uh, I used it. Oh, yeah. it's a great title. It's fantastic. I mean, we've, we always talk about human to human, um, interactions and engagements with with technology and things and that you must always build with the user in mind but it's great to actually have a, a word and I, I thank you for that word because we're going to certainly use that again in, in the future humanification mm, yes. um, mm. if, if Mike can wrap his mouth around it we might be able to use it a lot more but <laughs> it, it is fantastic and it, it's definitely it's definitely a good point to kick off with how we adopt oh, dear. the <laughs> change coming in the future and I, the one thing that I loved about your book and, and Mike touched on it now is the the waves of change and how uh, Exco and people in big business or even in small businesses start to think more like surfers yes. and less like hard and fast business people. Yeah. I don't ask questions. I just make statements. We'll get used to that. <laughs> yeah. So Christian, could you elaborate more on the, uh, on the surfer analogy? Yeah. Yeah. yeah sure. Sure. Um, I, many of my keynotes I start with with one picture, and that's a big tidal wave that's coming towards us. And yes. I use that as an analogy with the time that we live in today. Um, change was there a couple of years ago, but it's going faster and faster, and the pace of change is heating up. And I think within the next five to ten years, and many other uh, companies and organizations also predicted that there will be a tidal wave coming to us it's, um, with, with change, disruption, technological advancements. And... Yeah, if you see that wave coming at you and you're in a big boat, then you feel some kind of stress. And it doesn't matter where you are in the boat, if you are the captain of the boat or an employee on the boat, everyone has the same kind of stress. Um, but that, that's, I think, a normal reaction. Uh, people are afraid of change. We are lazy, so we don't want to change. But yes. I try to, to transform or, or yeah, change that, that perspective to a positive one, to see opportunities in that wave. And that's why I made uh, the parallels with, with the surfer, because when a surfer sees a big wave, uh, he gets very excited and he thinks, okay, wow, if I'm exactly at the right spot at the right time, then I can use that wave. I can leverage that wave uh, of technological advancements to make exponential speed, uh, to become a disruptor or an exponential company. And a surfer has some kind of belly stomach feeling when the wave will rise he see what tide or what time of the day or time of the year and he knows where the wave will swell and i want to help companies to also think like a server so they can see technology coming uh technological advancements or increasing technology and jump on that technological wave and use it instead of being afraid of it. So that's where the, the surfer analogy came from. And, um, yeah, it's a, it's a very visual one because everyone can uh, make that picture in his yes. head. Uh, so it, it worked quite well in, in my keynote. So we also used it for the book. Yeah. Brilliant. Fantastic. So, so talking of the waves, um, you, you, you say that these waves of change and, and, and the, the, the evolution of technology could not have happened more naturally. And, and it's, it's quite often very difficult when you sit here and you look at this wave coming at you and you go, where did that come from? There's nothing natural about what's hitting me right now. I don't understand what's going on. Do you want to just talk more about the, the naturalness of, of mm. technology evolution and, and probably the, 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 the introduction in terms of how biology, technology and, and humans are, are really this convergence of, of the three of them? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the, the basics of, of the book are, are basically, uh, with, with, uh, when, when my daughter was born, Lika. Yes. 
Um, I was an entrepreneur for 15 years and I helped a lot of companies. And he also asked us, help us to innovate, help us to make uh, a new product or disruptive products for our markets and to disrupt our competition. Um, and when things get hard for them, the markets or, or a lot of things, they always step back in their old pattern um, and they get their old results back. And I never really understand it um, until my own life was disrupted in 2011. Uh, my daughter, Lika, was born, and after three months, we discovered that she had severe uh, health problems. Uh, we went to hospital, and we find out that her heart was uh, in very bad conditions. She needed yeah. to have surgery right away. Um, so we did, and after surgery, things went really wrong because uh, they couldn't get her from the heart-lung machine. They tried a couple of times, but her body wasn't sure. um, responding to medical procedures as they yeah, thought it would be. Sure. Um, and the same evening after surgery, we discovered that she had a very rare genetic disorder uh, that uh, involved all her weak muscle cells in her body. So they knew three or four people in the world that had the same disorder, and they all died within months. So we just got a terminal diagnosis, um, and it couldn't help us any further. So as a disruptor, I was also trusting the medical system, but it wasn't help us any further. So I... Yeah, to try to wake up the disruptor in myself and to mm. disrupt the, the healthcare situation we were in that moment. So I did a lot of studies about health and I found out that, that you can only look at health if you look at a more holistic way to the human body. And the human body is a collection of our community of 10 billion plus cells that work together, co-create together. And the more I investigate how the body worked, um, the more clues I found how we could save our daughter's life and eventually find a new, new kind of treatment. And we took her out of the hospital after three months um, because the hospital wasn't able to work with us in that therapy because it, uh, they didn't support it. We took her home and eventually that therapy saved her life. And she's now seven years old almost and she does wow. uh, school, gym, ballet, so she can do all, all kinds of things that normal people can do. Um, she has some little conditional problems, but um, that insight um, sparked a little uh, yeah, thing in my in my uh, mind. Um, I've been a disruptor in technology sector for 15 years, and now I saw that cells in our body are basically the same as humans are. Uh, cells communicate with the cells next to them, with yes, uh, the cells, yeah. uh, their uh, cell membrane. And what I found out is that that uh, cells and and biology solve problems in exactly the same way as humans do with technology. And the deeper I dived into the health situation of our daughter, the more I get understanding of about um, yeah how how cells solved these problems in the past. Um, and I also noticed a couple of waves. Uh, the first big wave was that uh, cells uh, start to gather uh, to survive and form multicellular life. Um, the second big wave that I discovered in biology was that cells uh, start to uh, become bigger and bigger and uh, they needed some kind of infrastructure to bring all the nutrition and stuff to the right places in the organism. So they started to develop a digestive system and a vascular system. And what I discovered is there's these waves in, in biology have similar waves in technology because one of the first big technological waves was the agricultural wave, uh, agricultural revolution, where people start to develop um, uh, tools and, and technologies to do agriculture on a large scale. The second big wave was, for example, the vascular system. Uh, people learned to, to uh, get stuff out of the ground and, and um, make iron from it and, and to for creation of railroads and oil pipelines, etc. And the more waves I discovered in biology, the more waves I discovered also in technology. And uh, eventually there are seven big waves. Yes. Um, and these waves are 
uh, repeating themselves on a bigger scale and also more on an exponential time scale. And in <coughs> biology, uh, at a certain moment, you've got the mammal brain, the social brain, that helped mammals to interact in a group and learn from each other to develop on a cognitive level. And that wave was also, um, we've been there in, in the social media wave in the past, I think, 10 or 15 years. So we start to connect with each other over the internet, start to share messages, photographs, YouTube videos, and now today we share taxis, apartments, boats, bicycles, whatever. Um, and I discovered that these waves um, follow the same pattern, also the internal waves. And that sparked me an insight to, to write a book and to share this with the rest of the world. Because what I discovered is that disruptive companies align perfectly with these waves. Um, consciousness or co unconsciousness, I don't know yeah. what, but um, they align with these waves and therefore they are able to thrive and to grow exponentially fast. Yeah. Uh, Facebook was aligned with the social wave. Uh, IBM, uh, Microsoft, Apple was aligned with the automation wave, the Ford big wave. Uh, AT&T Labs, for example, was aligned with the telecom revolution, the telecom wave. So each wave has its servers. And that also uh, got me the insight to compare these waves with, with the servers and uh, yeah, companies that recognize the wave and jump on it, uh, became exponential or disruptive companies uh, in each stage. Um, so they have been there since 12,000 BC. Uh, awesome. At this time, there were also disruptors. And today we still have them, uh, only they have different names and different technologies. But that insight sparked me, uh, gave me the idea for, for the book. And I started to write it, and uh, yeah, if I, as I've come along, uh, the book, uh, more and more positive reactions from people, and I started to give some keynotes about the subject, and I noticed that a lot of people resonated with the subject, so um, I finished the book, and yeah, that was also the start of my uh, speaking career, where I'm in uh, today. So that's these are the, the, the parallels that I discovered, and um yeah, I think that, that biology or nature is a, is a very good inspiration where technology is going next, what the next big step will be in our uh, society. Um, and I think that, um, yeah, just like an organism is going to one single organism, um, reacting as one system, that our society is also going towards one single system, like a flock of birds that is using technology to react like one single system. And that's, I think, the, the, the positive message of my book is that mm. uh, I think we are going towards uh, a bright and, and a happy future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I have so to admit, like, I'm just listening to it, like, just for our viewers' sake. I mean, these waves in nature have taken centuries, right? Um, and they've kind of panned out and you've been mapping out how they've kind of evolved. And I love the analogy of tying other business and technical disruption to these waves. It kind of gives you that insight, that, that kind of future thinking, which is superb. Um, I've just had a thought now, is what happens if the businesses aren't ready to get onto these waves? So I, we also spend a lot of time with South African businesses, helping them disrupt and innovate. And you've highlighted a really key point. A lot of the, the Apples and Facebooks of the world got onto these natural waves and made the most out of it. Now we've got a whole lot of businesses all keen to get onto some form of a wave, but are they even ready to get onto these waves? Are they ever going to be able to be part of this kind of evolution or are we just kidding ourselves? 
uh, I think uh, most of the companies are not ready to get on a wave. And mm. I think that's, if you looked in, at nature, it's a natural thing because mm. uh, remember the dinosaurs, they didn't survive. Uh, at least most of them mm. didn't survive. And I think that they're also in, in the, uh, if you look at the analogy to the industries, there are dinosaur companies. And I think they also won't survive mm. um, because you cannot change your DNA. You cannot mm. change your culture if you're so big. Mm. Um, what what you can we... do is create... Uh, bio, uh, biologically engineer our DNAs. <laughs> <laughs> Brain, brainwash our clients. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Go for a Christian. <laughs> no, but I think I think it's very hard to change your your DNA if you're yeah. such a big creature. But what you can do is create offspring, and that offspring is better able to adapt yeah. to yeah. The, the change. And in the past, the dinosaurs uh, have seen something coming out of uh, of space, uh, a big meteor that um, made their world change exponentially fast, and they didn't adapt to that change so they didn't survive and i think that a lot of big companies right now also are dinosaurs and something came out of cyberspace the internet and e-commerce and social media and they didn't see it coming and the world is changing now also exponentially fast and i think these companies um, will make place for new companies so i think it's a natural process that they won't get up on the wave and they won't survive Uh, so it's uh, bad for the people working there but i think they will find something else yeah uh, Christian, at, uh, at what's the future? The sort of consultancy that we've started out of the mm-hmm. show actually is uh, we we talk about changing the way or finding new ways of working in response to the ever changing needs of the customers, and it's great to be able to say that. And we we take them through the three steps that we've we've come up with, which mm-hmm. is the refine, refocus, and reinvent stages through a a helping hand of transformation in this digital space, but. While we're getting the word out there, we're meeting people all the time and companies all the time. And we're saying, well, this is change is not coming. Change is here. Yeah. You need to be, you need to embrace the opportunity to change rather than fearing the inevitability of, of the change. And there are some guys that we meet from time to time and they say, well, we had a team building session the other day <laughs> about innovation and we're all good. Thanks. We've got our stamp in our book and we, we, we're, we're innovated. We're moonshotting. We, we've, 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 yeah, we've, we've discovered what our moonshot is. Uh, we, we have innovated. We've got a little stamp of approval, and we did it with the entire company. So now that everybody's spent two, three hours together in a team building session, falling backwards and hoping they'd be caught, we know that we, we're ready to change. How do you address that type of mindset in big corporate enterprises? Like to to literally shake them up? Because I mean, it's it's great to say they're not ready for it, but you still need to deal with what's happening. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think most of the companies uh, uh, now rec- uh, recognize that they, they should tra- change. Uh, they see the world is changing exponentially fast. So most board of directs or directors or executive level um, uh, know that they have to change. But I think the, the biggest problem is, is changing the culture within a company. Yeah. And I think that it can be done within a small team or a team outside or a black op team outside of the yeah. traditional company, yeah. creating a new DNA, a new yeah. culture. Yeah. Uh, I think it's possible, but I think it's very, very hard to do for, for a large, big enterprise or, or an um, international company. For sure. I mean, it's, it's not something you can do on a Thursday. It's, <laughs> no, no, no. It's no, a long, it's, it's a long lasting long, change. Yeah, it's a long lasting change. And also it's, a change uh, is, is painful um, for people, but also for organizations. And uh, if you're not... Um, willing to to go through that pain, then uh, I think uh, you're lost. So um, you have to have a very clear vision of the future because uh, that that helps you through the painful period. And I think a lot of companies don't have that 
clear and bright vision of the future. Yeah. They do it because uh, in the survival mode and not in the thrive mode. And I think that's a big difference. Uh, companies like Google, uh, Uber, etc., they have a very bright vision about where they want to be within five next five or ten years. Yeah. But most of the other companies that are still struggling to keep their heads above water are in a survival mode. They are not thriving. They are not surfing. They are. Yeah, <laughs> not drowning, uh, trying not to drown. So mm. I think that's, that's a completely different mindset. And they can hire some consultants and ask them to, to do some change sessions or innovation sessions. But um, I don't believe that that will eventually make that, that change. Uh, all the people in the company need to change. And, and that's a very hard thing to do. Uh, the bigger the company is, the bigger the problem. Uh, absolutely. And uh, yeah. Christian, yeah. You, you used the term quantum innovation. I mean, two things here. It's a, it's a mindset. And if we apply this in, into the, the world of business going forward, can you explain, expand on quantum innovation and also what type of organizations do you see coming forward? Because if the, if the old dinosaurs are not going to adapt, you're going to have to have a new type of organization that's coming through. What, what is that type of organization and how do they apply this quantum innovative thinking? Yeah, the quantum innovative thinking is more about uh, – People are lazy. Uh, yes. Everybody in the world is lazy. So we only start to change if we experience some kind of pain. And uh, if you are overweighted, you start to lose weight. If you are uh, sick, then you start to work on your health. So, and that's the same for companies and our society. Um, and I think that that um, we don't experience enough pain right now to change. A lot of companies have still black numbers on, on their balance and they're still quite happy because their shareholders are happy. But um, the pain is there already. And um, I think the new type of organizations will be a totally different one. Uh, what you see today is that uh, um, smart communities empowered by purpose and by smart technology are already able to create very complex products. Um, uh, yeah. Platforms like Quirky, for example, uh, the comic products out of it, like uh, like tablets with the same specs as Samsung, uh, Google, Apple, etc. Um, Locomotive 3D, they create an entire 3D printed car uh, uh, running on batteries. So these products are getting very serious coming out of these communities. And I think that in the future, more and more people will be able to work together via these kind of communities and they will be more and more empowered by technology using augmented reality, for example, to work on products uh, um, um, uh, like they are in one room with, with each other. Um, Skype is already able to translate 10 uh, different languages in real time. So, yeah. so the barrier of language will, will drop. Um, artificial intelligence will help us co-create with machines. So design new products uh, like Dreamcatcher from Autodesk. Um, so you inspire the system and the system creates models for you, uh, mm. products. So I think using these kind of exponential or increasing technology in a combination with platforms that normal people um, following their purpose can can um, connect with these platforms and yeah I, I think trans transform into a very creative and productive crowd production company yeah. and I think that that are the it's I I'm mostly I use the comparison between a buck uh, um, um, ice cubes that are frozen together these are the traditional companies mm -hmm. and new companies are uh, a bottle of water yeah and water Beautiful. is very fluid the, the interaction doesn't cost any energy so it's very fluid it and it naturally. can adapt to yeah. to its environment. And I think that the future companies are looking like water. They are very easy to interact with their environments. And I, I think the only way to do that is becoming, um, yeah, uh, like like uh, communities with, with people driven by the purpose, uh, with one 
single purpose for the community to solve uh, some kind of problem uh, we have in our world. And I think that is more of the type of company we will see more uh, around us uh, from, from now on. I do like the analogy of water because most importantly, they're transparent, right? Yes, as well. Yeah, yeah, that's another one. That's a good mm. one, yeah. Yeah, that's most of companies are, are uh, um, yeah, ice cubes frozen together. There's no yeah. interaction between the cubes, and where is no interaction, there's no creativity, and where is no creativity, there's no They're innovation. They're stuck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Um, yeah, Christian, we 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 talk about a number of things. I mean, anybody just tuning in now to the Futurology Show will will be hearing you talking about the future of communication. We're talking about the future of organizations. We've talked spoken about healthcare and the future of learning and everything else as well has come about it. But it's important to realize that the future of the coming change is not these different paths on different to different things. All of these different things are affecting one big path of change towards the future. Do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Um, Every new wave is also influencing the, the wave from the past. Um, using artificial intelligence and robotics, we can make our agriculture much more efficient than it is today. We can make our energy uh, industry or our logistics industry much more efficient. Mm. Uh, we can make our telecom industry much more efficient. So um, it's it's like it's like um, a bunch of platforms uh, together. And we are on top of it. And every new wave is, is making each platform more solid and, and more efficiently. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I think the, um, it's, it's adding up. It's going exponentially all the way. For sure. And, I mean, there's a lot of these ice cube big businesses, these dinosaur companies that maybe are so fixated with their own problem in their own industry, in their own little niche, that they don't really think to venture outside of where they are to see where the change is coming from. And before they know it, that tsunami is going to hit them and it's going to be in the form of the speed at which mealies can grow in, or maize can grow in, in the outer regions of a desert. And they don't realize that, that that is so connected to maybe what they do as a technology company, I don't know, making fridges. Mm. And it's, it's, it's we, because we're so focused on what, on what we do, not why we do it <laughs> and yes. the how we do it, we stop realizing the things around us that are changing so fast. And it's really about, I mean, I think the job that Christian, you're doing so well and the, the things that we are inspired to do as well is to go out there and actually just shine the light on the unknown spaces that maybe companies aren't, aren't aware of, or these, these, this, this idea of coming change that it's, there is more opportunity amidst the chaos of this coming change than there is a need to fear. Yeah. And I think that's what I love about what you're talking about in your book and, and what you, what you do in your, your keynote addresses. It's very encouraging just as a word for myself to, to, to see that you're doing it and you're doing it on such a great scale and that I really hope that lots of people start to listen to it. Yeah. Uh, Christian, <coughs> I, th I think now's a great time to, to jump into the S curve because for me that was quite a pivotal understanding in your book. So especially around the world of exponentialism because it's not this un, you know, this rocket ship that just takes off forever. It's actually an S curve, which I don't think many people are actually understanding. Mm. Do you, do you want to expand on this, this world of the S, S curve? Cause I think it's a very, very important point and really that leads into the waves. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Um, uh, I discovered that, that just like in nature, uh, in biology, also technology is falling on an S-curve. So in the beginning of every new technology, the developments are going very slowly. You have to do a lot of R&D, a lot of investment, but the increasing technology is still going very slow. It looks like a linear progress. Yes. But what I discovered is that every technology, also biology, is following an S-curve. So after that yeah. initial period with a lot of investments and a lot of energy to put into it uh, by large corporations – 
um, the curve starts to rise and uh, it starts to go uh, a bit more exponential. And what I discovered is um, it's, it's about the, the network effect uh, um, uh when more and more of these systems where we are talking about, so uh, survival, uh, infrastructure, connection, automation, social, are in place, uh, the faster these uh, developments goes. And what I found out is that if you start with a single cell, just like in nature, these cells start to be social, multiply, start to co-create, and start to create larger organisms. And by using uh, our vascular system, our, our uh, nervous system, our, our um, uh, basic brain, our reptile brain, social brain, uh, neocortex brain, uh, we became um, groups of cells of 10 billion cells that work together uh, in a very coherent and harmonic way. And I see that same happening uh, in our society today. We started with uh, just one or two people on our earth or a couple of people. Um, they start to be social, uh, multiplied, start to develop all kinds of technologies, uh, not biological technologies, but technological uh, uh, like infrastructure, our energy grids, our, our social media, etc. And these platforms help us to um, grow exponentially. And today we are, I think, in the middle of that S-curve. And that is the most chaotic part of the S-curve. Everything is going really fast. And in nature, you see that, that everything is going from order to chaos to order again. And I yes. think that when the S-curve will be is approaching its limit, uh, is going to be more mature, and our society is becoming more mature with all the technologies we are currently developing, we will going to a new level. And where where 10 billion uh, uh, people are working together like one single organism. And then we are at the end of another S-curve. And nature has followed multiple S-curves. Um, for example, a sing single atom is co-creating with other atoms to create molecules. Uh, so that's also an S-curve. In the beginning, there were yes. two or three different kind of atoms. Then you had uh, multiple uh, molecules that start to work together to form uh, living cells, simple prokaryotic cells. Um, these prokaryotic cells are a new level in that S-curve. Um, then these cells start to develop multicellular life, eventually humans and animals uh, at the end. And that's another end of the S-curve. So you see multiple nested S-curves that are following each other up. Mm. And Today we are, um, I think, halfway in S curve, where our society is getting from one single human towards one single system of 10 billion humans, um, and and that S curve is also in technology. The first computer chips had one single core, now they have multiple thousand cores, uh, and they all work together. So you see it in in multiple areas that S curve, and I think that S curve is a good way, or it's also a representative of the wave that is coming. And you know, want to jump on that curve. Uh, in the beginning, you have to do a lot of investment. Um, so when you jump on too early, you have to have very deep pockets. Absolutely. But today, uh, the te that. many technologies yeah. are getting, yeah. Um, yeah, major obstacles are overcome quite now. Um, so it's now the, the right time to jump on the wave and to use the wave as leverage Absolutely. to get to the next level. Uh, Absolutely. And some companies won't make it and other companies will make it on the wave. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I just think I remember reading in economics the, the growth of, of the car sales in the 1960s. It looked exponential, but we've hit the plateau. And you can almost see it in the Facebook uh, of the world. They've got 2 billion uh, subscribers now. They've gone beyond that exponential growth. And if you actually look at most of the historical – I mean, Coca-Cola, they, they're sitting at their saturation. They're, they're on the top end of the S-curve now. Um, yeah. And, and I think what I find absolutely fascinating about this world of the S-curve, which you've alluded to, is 
We are now sitting at that exponential point of the S-curve. And what it means is this is not going to be, you know, we all talk about the, how this exponential technology, AI, etc., is going to infinitely grow until it's out of control. Uh, ah. uh, uh, absolutely. <laughs> hitting, the, to hitting to the point yeah. of singularity. Yeah. But at some point, we, we, there's got to be a physical limit to what we, oh, we there reach. Is. Yeah, there must be. You know, and, and, and we will balance out into a more um, mature, creative uh, world, which, which really leads me into the point around, do you want to give us an understanding of the seven waves that, that you, you've, you've mm. alluded to, you've mentioned, um, and, and really where are we sitting now and, and what's coming in the future? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, as I explained earlier, I, I discovered seven waves in biology. Um, the first wave was the multicellular organisms that start to organize, or cells start together and start to create bigger organisms. The second big wave is vascular systems and digestive systems. Uh, it's our uh, energy transportation system within organisms. So the infrastructure um, around it all. That's the infrastructure layer, yeah, mm. because these organisms start to grow faster and faster. And at a certain level, they find out that they uh, need some roads and, and pipelines to distribute nutrition and energy to all the outer parts of the of the organism. So they start to develop a vascular system and a digestive system that can transform raw materials to nutrition and stuff and energy. Um, after that, these organisms start to grow even faster. And they start to notice that, okay, we don't know where specific nutritions are uh, needed or where uh, oxygen is needed. So they start to develop an uh, information network, uh, the nervous system, to reconnect all the other parts of the organism. Um, and at a certain level, you saw that, that these organisms, that there was so much information flowing over these networks, these nerve, ne nerve systems, that they need to have some kind of automation. And then they started to develop the reptile brain or the base brain. Um, and the base brain is like um, the brain that is automating all the biological processes in your body, like your heartbeat, your digestive systems. All the, the processes, all the millions of processes in your body are fully automated. You don't take any focus from you. Um, after that, the, fixed, uh, the fifth big wave is the, the, the limbic brain or the, the social yes. mammal brain, emotional brain. And it helps organisms or mammals to, to connect to each other and to learn from each other uh, which plant uh, is eatable and which is not, um, uh, which, which animal is dangerous and which is not. So it helped them to develop on a cognitive level. And the sixth level or the sixth wave was the neocortex brain that helped organisms to develop communication uh, or language skills um, to interpret their environment, to sense and, and see our environment more clearly. Um, to make decisions and eventually the prefrontal cortex is the seventh wave in biology and prefrontal cortex helps us or the executive brain they also call it or the CEO brain it helps us to visualize things uh, for example a house but also to execute it to build it actually and what I discovered is that um, technology is following exactly the same waves um, first people start to gather to, to it together uh, in, in small villages and when these villages became bigger and bigger they have some infrastructural problems so they start to create agriculture um, to feed all these cells within the village um, therefore the villages start to grow even faster mm. and we needed some new kind of infrastructure and that was the industrial revolution around 1800 where we started to develop railroads um, heavy industry that created iron for the railroads but also for the oil pipelines and eventually the energy grid mm. um, by Tesla and um, and when we developed energy, the next wave was there. That's the telecom wave. It started with the, the telegraph, yes. yeah. telephone, radio, television, and eventually the broadband uh, networks that we see today. But there was the same problem. Uh, there was so much 
information flowing over these networks and satellites that we need some kind of automation. So in the 60s, 80s, 90s, the IBM, uh, Microsoft, uh, uh, Apple created operating systems and drivers that automated all the technological chips and parts um, um, down in, in the technology. And that corresponds with the reptile brain. And then the next big wave in technology is the social media revolution that was started, I think, around 2000. And we are still a little bit in it. And what we see there is that people start to share knowledge uh, via the Internet. Um, the Internet was born uh, by the automation revolution. We start yes. to connect more, more software to each other and routines. And uh, the social media revolution was the result of that. We start to reconnect with each other, share knowledge via tweets, uh, photographs, videos, uh, emails, etc. And today we are entering, or we are already in it, is the sixth wave, and it's about intelligence. And I think you can see the parallel between the neocortex brain yep. and machine learning in the cloud. The neocortex brain enabled us to see our environment and understand our environment, to develop language, uh, to make decisions, and what machine learning is actually doing is also um, visual computing. So these computers start to recognize our environment. They start to move within that environment, hey, autonomous cars. They can see their environment and they also understand it. So they can drive in that environment and uh, make no accidents. Um, machine learning is enabling us to understand natural language, uh, just like children do. And eventually machine learning or AI will enable us to make advanced or complex decisions and help us to make those decisions. And I think finally we will enter the seventh wave and that is corresponding with the prefrontal cortex. So we will be able to, yeah, we, I think we will enter a creative revolution where we That's have awesome. some kind of collective visualization. Mm. See it, for example, as the HoloLens of Microsoft, we can see via augmented reality, we can visualize things that are not yeah. yet there. Yeah. And we can have co-creation networks or productivity networks of people that are able to um, execute these things that we have visualizing. Yeah. So... And what I also discovered is these seven waves are also corresponding with the seven uh, layers in the Maslow pyramid. Um, the basic layer of the Maslow yes. pyramid is about survival, the psychological needs. Then we have the safety needs, here, our industrial revolution. Then our love and belonging, so reconnect to other people is the telecom revolution. Our esteem needs, uh, automation uh, revolution. Our cognitive needs, uh, the social media revolution. And we are now entering the area where our aesthetic needs will be um, served. So balance. Um, life work balance balance in how we use technology etc and eventually I think we will go to the self actualization need and that is uh, yeah I think chasing our purpose and technology will help us uh, um, chasing that purpose excellent what I found out is that, that uh, these Maslow pyramid what you see is that more and more of these layers will be automated by technology mm. from the bottom up to above yes. so yeah. We as a humanity, I think, will be pushed towards our purpose. If we like it or not, I think that is what will happen in the next 15 or 25 years. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, Mr. Christian Cromer, thank you so much for the time that you spent with us today. It's really fascinating talking to you. And we've had people talking about the uh, the, the future of Sapiens. We've had the guy from that uh, the book, Yuval Noah Harari, wrote mm -hmm. the book called Sapiens. We spoke about that. And uh, we've recently just gone through the Singularity University, this this combination and this this coming together of amazing technologies and exponential thoughts and and just great pioneers in the space of tech technological change in the face of exponential growth and and all the rest. But it's really great to have you come in and join us today, talking about all of that wrapped up into one yes combined focus of the future. Um, I constantly go on about the age of experience, how you can be a creator or a consumer, and that we've 
sort of assimilated digital things into our day-to-day living and that we're very discerning now as a society or as humans and that we are very discerning about what we engage with. So it's, it's really quite cool to hear you talking about how we're going to go into a wave of learning and a wave of creation where that starts to happen more and more because we've adopted the technology that we have today. And I, I, I'm personally very excited about the future, and I thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Christian, you've blown my mind away. Um, I love the way you've pulled biology and technology together. Yeah. Um, and it really kind of makes sense. And I think it also kind of it, – where it makes sense is that calming aspect of the S-curve. Mm. Guys, it's going to mature. You know, It's, it's not yes. going to be crazy the whole time. Uh, it's fabulous. Yeah, it, yeah. Great it comes in phases. Yeah, I, I think, you know, you hear so many of these futurists kind of talking about what's coming, um, the, the world of learning and the world of creativity, because if we just look at, we are moving into a post-capital world. You know, we cannot continue what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's, it's climate changes that forces us to change or, or, or there's this natural evolution, which is why I say I think there's a very powerful axiomatic understanding to what yeah. you've created here. And I think how you've actually contextualize this and put this together as a model for, for me is, is you, you've synthesized so much of the thinking into a very, very Clear lovely thought. framework. Yeah, yeah. Humanification is a great thought. Yeah. Um, um, Christian, b- before we kind of wrap up, how are, how are corporates responding to, to this thinking and, and how are they taking this and moving forward? Because I know you do go and speak to these, these guys. How, how, how has it been received and how are people using it to, to evolve mm. into where they need to be? Um, yeah, I, I talk to my audiences after keynotes, but, um, not to everyone, but, um, there are two different reactions. Um, a lot of people are scared and they, uh, yeah, they offer a lot of resistance, but this cannot be the true or, or whatever. But the other ones are, I think by making comparisons with nature and biology, I, make it understandable and mm. it makes starts to make sense for people. Um, if something happens in nature, it's very normal. But if it's happening in our organizations or in technology, then it's strange to people. And a lot of companies are already uh, investing in, in innovation um, and start to form small groups uh, out of their outside of their walls of their company uh, to create new cultures. Um, and I think that is the best thing they can do. Uh, start small teams, um, mm-hmm. uh, question your, your, your existence every day. Um, yeah, and I, I hope that, that that process, and I see it all, all around me, but I hope that it will lead to new different generations of companies, this different species of companies yeah. that eventually will survive the wave or can serve the wave. I like, yeah. I like that, Christian, that, that thinking of um, question your, your existence. And I think it's it's important that it's a daily thing that big companies start to do. Question, why do we sell this product? Why do we provide that service? And A, why do we do it? B, should we continue to do it? And I think too often it's that letting go of things we've done for so long that people have a hard time with. And that's, that's mm-hmm. the change. It's like we've invested so much in this direction. But what maybe got us here isn't necessarily what gets us further. And I'm sure we've all heard that thousands of times already. Yeah, so success is a sleeping pill, they, they said. <laughs> and I think it's really <laughs> no. true. If you're too successful, they, and then you fall asleep yeah. and you don't look at the outside world. Exactly. Find your squeaky wheel. So Find your squeaky wheel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Christian, just one other question from my side. What do you see the future of work as? The future of? Work. Work. Okay. Um, I think in the future, more and more people will be enabled by smart technology to do to follow their purpose and to get some economical benefit from it. Um, 
you see more and more platforms like Uber, Airbnb that enable people, if you have a car and a driving license, you can earn money with Uber. If you have an apartment or an empty room, uh, you can rent it out with, with Airbnb. I think more and more of these platforms will start to exist and will help people to do multiple things throughout the day. So I think perhaps today we have one profession uh, for our entire life. I think in the future we will have many professions, many things that we like, and that will have an economical benefit for from for us and for our environment. So I think it will be a more individual thing, um, but also more collective thing. So uh, individual in the sense of following your own purpose, but a collective thing that your purpose is connected with the purpose of someone else, and everyone has a small uh, job to do within the bigger platform. So I think that uh, the future of work will... We will still keep working, but it will have a different meaning work. Yes, yeah, I agree with that. More Perfectly. meaningful, I think. No more jobs. <laughs> no more jobs, but... but uh, more output, probably. Work, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. Mr. Christian Cromer, we really look forward to the opportunity to talk to you again in the future and hopefully have you in Johannesburg for some workshops and we'll yes. share some of that with some of the uh, businesses and, and uh, entrepreneurs and thought leaders this side. But uh, I think for yeah, now, like we've, we've reached the end of our episode. We have. It's gone quickly as usual. Yeah, but yeah, Mr. Christian Cromer, the best way to get hold of you guys or get hold of yourself is probably on your website, and that's Christian Cromer, K-R-O-M-M-E dot com. And your book is Humanification, available online on digital formats as well as paperback. Yeah, that's correct. Excellent, cool. Well, I think you can find all the information on ChristianCromer dot com. If anybody listening would like to find out more, that's great. If you've only just tuned in now, make sure you catch this episode on the podcasts. You can. Like us, share us, subscribe to us. Five star us. Five star us would be amazing. And and I'll also share the the, the those links and uh, the graphs in, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But also the links to to where to get the book, where to contact Christian, etc. In in the show notes. Awesome, Christian. Thank you much for joining us. We'll okay. chat to you soon in the future. Fantastic. Thank you for having me here. All of the thank best. You. Cool. Thanks, Christian. Cheers, eh? Bye. Thank you. Okay. Ciao. This is CliffCentral.com.